I always try to emphasize in my courses that staying mentally and physically healthy is important for us. So self-care is very important. I also try to emphasize that massage therapy is an art and a science. And the importance of having uh, anatomical knowledge in our business can't be overemphasized. But at the same time, there is no one right way to do the work. So even though I teach technique classes, I teach stretching classes, I teach injury care classes, I'm always trying to remind uh, the participants that we're doing this particular technique in this certain way, but it's not the only way to do it. And we need to be able as individuals to adapt the whatever the work is to fit our own personalities and our own sort of biomechanical limits, whatever those might be. Hello, my name is Jeff Large, and you are listening to Choosing a Massage School. This is a podcast series where I talk to world-renowned instructors about everything you need to know when deciding on the right massage therapy school. In this episode, Bob McAtee, massage therapist, educator, and author, shares his insights into the key steps of building a long-lasting, fulfilling career. With 40 years of experience and high standards for what constitutes a well-rounded education, he offers actionable advice on how to find inspiring teachers and to build a set of skills that will serve your unique strengths and your future clients. I started my official massage career in 1981, so I'm in my 40th year now. I have a private practice in Colorado Springs, uh, primarily focusing on sports massage and soft tissue therapy as well as uh, one of my specialties, facilitated stretching, which is the topic of one of my two books. I am thrilled to come to work every day, even after all this time. And uh, I really enjoy the opportunity to teach uh, continuing education to other massage therapists, as well as to other fitness professionals uh, in one of the other organizations that I belong to. And how long have you been teaching? I started teaching in 1987. So you, you've been doing both. You, you got a, a good run on both then. I mean, a good kind of both look. I have been very fortunate in my career to be able to, number one, last this long. There's a, there's a few of us old timers, if you will, who've been in the business uh, like this. And yes, so the opportunity to teach has uh, really broadened my skills in the massage therapy room as well, because... In order to teach something, I have to be able to perform it pretty well to, in order to demonstrate it to, to other therapists. So the fact that I've been able to do this, both of these for so long, uh, has really kind of hit home in this last year when I haven't really been able to teach just because most continuing education classes have not been live and in person. I haven't pivoted to the uh, online webinar teaching style yet. I'm not sure I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe so we can understand um, from a time-wise. So let's exclude exclude last year. So exclude COVID. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. generally speaking, how much of your time, say even percentage-wise, was spent actually practicing the trade versus teaching the trade? I have a full-time practice. I, I see clients five or six days a week, except when I am traveling to teach. And in recent years, uh, my seminar schedule has been 
four to six weekends a year, you know, and generally traveling outside of Colorado uh, mm-hmm. to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So I would say primarily my, I, I still earn most of my living as a practicing massage therapist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nope, that's, that's helpful for context. So when I think about this as just the beginning of the journey, like I'm, I'm theoretically, I'm interested in massage therapy. What do I even start to focus on? What are some of those very, very baseline questions before entering into a school or anything? Like I'm just at research mode. What should I be asking myself? Trying to think back as a, uh, as someone who was looking at going to massage school, I would say that there are a couple of things that are important to think about. What's my personality like? Am I good with people? Do I like working with my hands? Do I have any issues with my hands, arms, shoulders that might be problematic when thinking about the physicality of doing massage therapy? So I think those are baseline questions that a potential student would want to think about for themselves. And then when it comes to doing the research about like where to go to school or what kind of a program to look at, obviously geographic location is important. Do I want to stay in the town I'm in? Am I willing to travel and move somewhere else to go to a program that looks like it's a better fit for me? If I move, how will I support myself while I go to school? So those would be some early questions I think that would be important to to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the the physicality of it. I think that's a really interesting point. You, I feel like you traditionally think of physically demanding jobs, like maybe more traditional trades or construction or, or things like that come to mind. How much should I be concerned about the physicality of being a therapist? Doing massage therapy, you know, if you're thinking about working on full-time as a massage therapist, which would be in the old days, that was considered 20 hours of massage per week. I'm not sure where those numbers fall now. Many therapists get out of school and they take a job with a one of the massage franchises that may work them. Maybe they do six massages in a work shift. And there's a lot of repetitive movement with massage therapy. So we know that uh, an often quoted statistic is that most massage therapists last in our business three to five years before they give it up. I don't know if there are any statistics about how many of those leave the business because they're injured or if they feel they can't make a living or they just decide they don't like to do this anymore. But certainly injury rates from massage therapists are probably higher than they need to be. Why do you think that is? I have a general sense that massage training programs don't focus on the, if you will, strength and conditioning aspect of being able to do the work. I mean, I certainly, in my, the classes that I teach, I talk about the importance of self-care and staying fit and healthy, keeping your muscles strong, your joints healthy. I'm sure that's probably talked about in most massage therapy training programs, but I'm not sure how much emphasis is placed on that, especially in the early days of a program where people from all different backgrounds are coming together to be in a massage therapy training class. Many of those people may not have a very good fitness level to start with. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point. And I I think that's a nice segue too. So as we start to think about like kind of quote unquote higher education for massage therapy, what are maybe some of your 
general thoughts? Let's start broad. Like, do you have any general impressions? Where are you at with that? Like kind of a massage therapy school as a whole. I have to say that I am pleased in recent years to see many of the corporate technical training institute massage programs going away. It seems to me there's a trend to more single ownership of schools. Schools may be founded by massage therapists or massage educators, which used to be the case in the early days of massage training. And then during the, I would say, kind of the 90s and 2000s, the technical and trade schools got into the business of offering massage training. And unfortunately, they didn't do it very well. And so we have a whole sort of generation of poorly trained massage therapists and maybe that's part of the reason that three to five years is their the average length of time in the business. If they're poorly trained, they're going to get injured. They're not very good at doing the work, so they can't build a practice. You know, these are kind of some of the things that I think about in terms of where we were. And that's why I like the idea of more standalone schools that aren't part of the chain. Mm-hmm. What What are some of those differences? What are some of the kind of key qualifiers that you're happy that some of these more corporate entities are winding down and disappearing and these individual, I mean, it, it seems like, it seems like you're saying that there's a, a definitive difference, like some are better than others. Can you explore that for me a little bit? Right. So the sort of technical training institute schools, in my experience, they were focused more on maximizing the uh, amount of federal money they could get per student. And they would enroll students on an ongoing basis. And it was like a rolling enrollment, I believe, is kind of how they characterize it. So you could start in any month. And wherever the class was in the program, that's where you got stuck into. So maybe you missed all of the anatomy and went straight into a massage training class without having any background. I also think that the the corporate schools, I, I don't mean to, corporate is probably the wrong answer. I think the technical schools, the trade schools were less stringent about who they let into their programs because they were looking for volume. And so many students were just, you know, not suited to the work to begin with and were left at the end of their program with a lot of debt and not really good skills and not an attitude for doing the work. Mm-hmm. So when we think about smaller schools, standalone schools, I think there's an opportunity for them to be more selective in the students that they accept. You know, there's maybe a longer application process. Maybe that, maybe there's an interview process where uh, students can meet with administrators and some faculty, maybe sit in on a class or two to see if it feels like a good fit for them. I think that's much more likely to happen in in an individually owned school. These red flags are important to identify when considering schools and making your lists of pros and cons. Bob also emphasizes that a school's website can reveal a lot about how it values its faculty, courses, and students. For me, I would be interested in how long the school has been open and if there's any information on their graduation rate, possibly the percentage of their students who pass the national certification exam or the licensure exam in, in their state. 
successfully. One of the other things that I would try to evaluate is the school's like website, social media presence to get a sense of what kind of information they're putting out to their potential students. You can go to some massage school websites and there's barely any information about the staff or the faculty. Other schools have a massive amount of information about who they are, who their faculty are, and they even often talk about what kind of students they're looking for. So those would certainly be some major things. Can uh, I, the, may I pause you there? Yeah, sure. One yeah. that's come up consistently in the conversations is this sort of like, I guess, pride on who they are. Like, why do you think that's an important thing? I've had other other people I've spoke to have said similar about like really showcasing their staff and even showcasing some of their alumni and their students and their also just even their philosophy as a school. Like, why are those things right. important that they're they're doting them? I think those things are important in, in, as a way to give a potential student a feel for what kind of a school this is, what kind of a program they're going to be involved in. And if somebody comes to me and says, I'm thinking about going to this school or that school, and, and I, I do get those questions sometimes, I like to go to the website and see what they're saying about who their faculty are. How long have their instructors been in practice? Are they, are they actually in practice or are they only teaching? Is there anybody I know? Do I see a name I recognize? You know, that information is useful for a potential student to just get a feel for what kind of a program they're going to be getting into and, and who the staff are. And this would all be before you would like do a site visit and go interview the school, if you will, uh, see if you can sit in on a class or two and whatever else might be important for you. It's, it's you are definitely going to college, so to speak. It's a, it's a, trade school as opposed to a liberal arts college, but you'd certainly want to do a site visit to get a better feel for where is the school, what kind of building is it in, what kind of facility is it, what's the neighborhood like. Mm -hmm. Can you think of the last time maybe that you personally were impressed? Like say you looked like you, you got the question like a student or a friend or a peer asked you like, hey, I'm thinking about these schools. Can you think of one another a time when a school really impressed you and maybe what some of those things were? Yes. Well, I'll tell you, I, I teach at a couple of schools around the country. Carlson College of Massage in Iowa, they have a great a rural school, uh, an, an old, it's an old farm, and they've converted some of the buildings into classrooms. The classroom that I was teaching in was in the, like in the loft of an old barn. It had beautiful windows and a beautiful sort of, you know, the kind of barn-shaped roof. And so that was impressive to me. East-West College in Portland. I have not been to their new facility because of last year, <laughs> but their, their previous location was also quite impressive in terms of the way that it, the rooms were set up, the school itself was organized, and to be honest with you, the quality of, this, of their grads who came to my courses. So how about maybe the opposite? You just listed some of the things that you like to evaluate and look for. What are yeah. some pitfalls? Are there any just kind of telltales or like red flags that I should be looking for? Yes. One of the things you'd probably be interested in looking at is how many hours are in the program? Because if, if I'm going to be traveling, I live in Colorado Springs. Okay. In the state of Colorado, uh, we have finally have state licensure. We are required to have 500 hours of training. When I moved to Colorado in 1988, we were a city by city licensure state. And Colorado Springs required a thousand hours of training to get a massage license. So it's important to know where are you going to practice 
and how many hours are required for you to, to be able to legally practice in your location. So number one, how many hours is the program? Because if, if you go to a program that's 450 hours, but you need 500 hours to get your license, uh, you're not gonna be successful. And then within those hours, how are those hours spent? How much time is classroom time? How much time is practical time? Is there a student clinic where you will be honing your skills under the supervision of clinic directors? I know of a school that had a thousand hour program where the students met one night a week for four or five hours. And the rest of the time was like self-study. If you're not a good self-starter with a pretty good background already in anatomy and physiology, that might not be a good fit for you. It's less about how many hours the school or the state requires for you to get a massage therapy license and more about how those hours are spent. You want to make sure that the school gives you hands-on, guided experience. Bob emphasizes that because the qualifications for licensing differ from state to state and school to school, you really need to be the one responsible for choosing a school that will give you a strong foundation. In our field, there's a lot of nuance to be gained in terms of applying the various massage strokes, the massage styles. And uh, you're right. You read about it in a book. You see a picture maybe with an arrow saying your hand should go this way or that way. Or even if you watch video, video is better than static picture, but you still don't get the direct feedback you would have with an instructor in the room with you watching you work and giving you uh, some suggestions for improving whatever it is that you're doing, including not only the application of the massage work to the client on the table, but also making sure that you as the student are using good mechanics. Because again, this is a very physically demanding kind of work, lots of repetitive motion. And if, you're, if your biomechanics are off, uh, you're not going to be able to uh, have a long career because you're going to be getting injured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like that could be the case very much on both the person giving the massage and then also potentially injuring the person receiving the massage if you don't have that proper training and proper technique. There's always that potential, yes. Yeah, interesting. So what about like maybe a couple, to circle back to a few other things you mentioned, you're talking about, Mm -hmm. say, the teachers and their credentials. Should I have any baseline expectations? Like, is it important that my instructors are still practicing? Is it important that they have certain certifications or experience or time in? Like, what should I what should I be expecting there? This is my, just my opinion. I think that if you are an instructor in a massage school and you haven't had five years of experience prior to becoming an instructor in that school you're probably lacking some valuable experience that would allow you to transmit your knowledge and information to students. It's not uncommon for students to graduate from a massage program and turn right back around and start teaching in that same program. I think some schools like to do it that way because they know their student has just been through the program and will be interested in teaching the same thing again. And perhaps the school thinks they can help to shape and train that new therapist to become a teacher in that technique. I'm 
not in favor of that model. In fact, now we have the AFTME, the American Federation of Massage Therapy Educators, AFMTE. Has anybody talked about that with you? I don't believe so. This is a group that is trying to improve the quality of the teachers in our field. Uh, And they have recently come up with a teacher training program and a like a teacher certification program. I haven't investigated it a lot, but I'm in favor of the idea of having better training for the teachers in our business. What about for you personally, with you being an educator yourself, like what are, what are some of those non-negotiables for yourself that you really want to make sure you leave your own students with? I always try to emphasize in my courses that staying mentally and physically healthy is important for us. So self-care is very important. I also try to emphasize that massage therapy is an art and a science. And the importance of having uh, anatomical knowledge in our business can't be overemphasized. But at the same time, there is no one right way to do the work. So even though I teach technique classes, I teach stretching classes, I teach injury care classes, I'm always trying to remind uh, the participants that we're doing this particular technique in this certain way, but... It's not the only way to do it. And we need to be able as individuals to adapt the whatever the work is to fit our own personalities and our own sort of biomechanical limits, whatever those might be. And I also am trying to emphasize the importance of ongoing education. Like, I don't think I'm the first one to characterize it this way, but you graduate from massage school, that's like getting your learner's permit you know, you're not, you're not really ready to drive yet, but you're, you're just in the beginnings of that journey to gain more knowledge and experience to better be able to do the work and help people. According to Bob, you never really give up your learner's permit in massage therapy. In fact, it's an essential part of growing your knowledge and your business. The value of actually working on real clients cannot be underestimated because they are the ones, hopefully, who will challenge you to go out and learn more. Because even if you think you are just doing relaxation massage, your clients are gonna come into you and they're gonna say, oh, I have this, oh, my neck hurts, oh, I just tripped and sprained my ankle, oh, what do you think this lump is in my hamstring? And hopefully those are the kinds of questions that will send you back to your books to your teachers to ask for more information, to your social media groups to uh, ask questions like that, you know, to start to generate uh, your a deeper knowledge of even just anatomy. Well, I don't know what exactly is right there. Let's let me grab this book and let's see what what muscle this is and where it goes and what it does. Mm-hmm. You've you've said a few things now that actually have got me thinking because on one hand we focused a lot on the schools themselves and the responsibility that the school has and the responsibility that the teachers have but there is a big part of this that sounds like it is the onus of the student when you think about individuals that you've worked with like peers or maybe other students that you've instructed what are some qualities of a good student like what are good students doing in your opinion what kind of initiatives are they taking for me 
Oh, what I'm looking for in students in my continuing education classes is ongoing curiosity as opposed to wanting to show me how much they already know. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, like a, willi- a willingness to learn. Right. Oftentimes I'm in the class and, and uh, I'm teaching a particular stretch or this or that technique. And um, there will be invariably a few folks in the class who watch the demonstration go to the table with their partner and they do just whatever they already know. And then they want to show me, Oh, this is how I do this. And, and I'm always happy to look in, to look and see what other therapists are doing you know, around the same technique or topic. But it's as an educator, it's a little frustrating for me to, to then watch that student go on and not practice anything that they've come to the supposedly come to the course to learn. <laughs> They're just doing their own thing. As an educator, I've been lucky many times to have no one like that in a weekend seminar. And it's it's such a pleasure to not have to deal with that, to have no prima donnas in the class, right? We want people who come because they're interested in the topic and they want to learn. Those are the best kind of students for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are really valid points. It seems like from even what you're saying, it seems like there is an element of this. I guess, I guess, just to repeat back, maybe some of my takeaways as I'm sort of thinking out loud. Uh, there's definitely a high level of expectation that hopefully the school is bringing. Hopefully, they are intentional and strategic in the way that they structure their curriculum and that they bring a student into it and and kind of lead them through it. Hopefully, they are similarly intentional with the hour expectations and how those are spent. I'm also hearing regarding the students that hopefully like at the student's core, they're just willing to be curious and willing to learn and willing to grow and like open to growth in that way. But it does seem like there's almost this kind of free piece of it where it's going to help tremendously if, if you as a student take the time to find the right school. Like you might have two excellent schools but the difference could just be like you go to school A and you do well and you go to school B and you thrive. And it's just because it like matches. It's a better fit or a better match almost. Is, is that, do you see that happening? Is that an okay assumption or am I off? I think you're right on the money there. That's why we were talking about the importance of doing your research before you commit to a school. You know, I'm in Colorado Springs and at one point we had, I think we had four massage schools here. We currently have two, and I would only recommend one of them just because, just based on my own sort of knowledge of, of the schools and how they operate. Um, so if I'm looking at going to, to school, again, we come back to, do, am I going to stay in the town I'm in, or do I need to travel to go somewhere to, to find a better training program? One of the things that I think would be valuable for potential students is to talk to some experienced massage therapists in their town to get some insight into what kind of schools, you know, they're familiar with and would they recommend. But you're absolutely right. The variety of sort of the school cultures makes it important, in my opinion, to do some good research to figure out where you're going to fit the best before you commit to a program. How about looking back at your own experience? Mm-hmm. I'm sure along the way there was things that you thought you knew 
And then as time went on, you probably realized that, oh, maybe I wasn't right there. Like, do you have any pieces of wisdom that you can impart <laughs> on our on our listeners? Like things that you kind of found out. I, I'll leave that open-ended as well. But okay. like, what, what do you want to make sure the listener knows, just even from your own journey? Well, okay. Let's go back 40 years. <laughs> I've, I've told this story a number of times and, and it belies everything I've just told you about how much research you should do about going to massage school. I was uh, living in Long Beach, California, and uh, my girlfriend at the time and I were receiving, were massage clients. A therapist was coming down from LA uh, to see clients where we lived. And so my girlfriend at the time wanted, decided she wanted to go to massage school she had already decided she wanted to go to this particular school. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll go with you. <laughs> so I did no research. <laughs> and, you know, I, I signed for, up for this program with her. And in, in those days in California, you could become a massage technician with 110 hours of training. My initial program was 120 hours. It was like one night a week and Saturdays. And I can't remember if it was every Saturday or every twice two Saturdays a month. Anyway, it was, you know, it was 120 hours of training. So got out of school and my girlfriend was interested in taking the second level, which was 150 hours. And I was like, what else could they teach you? <laughs> How many ways are there to massage someone, you know? So, uh, so that was, that was me going, well, I know everything I need to know. Uh, and then some, not too long afterwards, somebody asked me about something about the scalene muscles. And I said, the scalene muscles? I've never heard of those <laughs> because in the 120 hour program, they could only teach you like so many, so many muscles. And so for me, a light bulb kind of went off and went, Oh, I guess, I guess maybe I need some more training. <laughs> so that was the beginning of my ongoing journey to learn more and more. And I still, there are still things that somebody says something to me and I said, I've never heard of that before. Let me go look that up. So it's one yeah. thing I've, I, I didn't know before embarking on this journey of being able to talk to professionals like yourself of how much depth there is. And I mean, for, for myself or personally, uh, I'm not pursuing massage therapy, but just by the nature of this project and, and being able to tackle uh, these concepts and things, it's something that I've really found enjoyable and interesting of how much depth there is in this field and like how many options people have who want to go down this route yes absolutely there's a facebook group called massage therapist humor where we share funny stories and there are so many stories of clients saying to you know professional massage therapists oh did you have to go to school for this <laughs> right <laughs> it is yes in fact we did have to go to school and we continue to have to uh hopefully keep on learning yeah yeah you mentioned at the the top of the interview how you love doing what you do still. Yes. Why is that? I love the clients that I get to interact with. No two days are the same. And even though I may it may look like I'm doing the same massage over and over, you know, repeating the same sort of sequence of work that I have developed over the course of my career, it's not ever the same thing. And I also like the problem solving aspect when someone comes in and says, Hey, I have this pain here or there to try to figure out what do I have in my repertoire? What kinds of techniques or tools do I have to help resolve this person's complaint? 
And then my final question for you, mm-hmm. is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you want to make sure our listener either knows or is thinking about any other parting words of wisdom? If your listener, in fact, decides to get training in in our field, to go to school somewhere for massage therapy, to really uh, commit to it. It's been a very rewarding career for me, and I encourage anyone who has an inclination to it to pursue it as fully as they're able. Excellent. Bob, thank you for your time. You betcha. Thanks for the interview. It was great. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to Bob for being on this interview. You can learn more about him and his work at stretchman.com. If you know someone who is considering a career in massage therapy, please share this show with them. And if you are considering a career in massage therapy, open up that podcasting app and make sure you're following us. You do not want to miss any future episodes. Choosing a Massage School is sponsored by East West College of the Healing Arts in Portland, Oregon. To learn more about East West, visit eastwestcollege.edu. The show was created in partnership with Come Alive Creative. The show was produced by Maggie Fisher and edited by Isidore Nieves. I'm your host, Jeff Large, and thank you for listening. Thank you.